Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Shop Talk Show this week. We have two lovely sponsors I want to talk about at the top of the show, our longtime best sponsor ever, Environments for Humans, who have uh, do some in-person conferences. And in fact, all three of us this week have been to this event in the past, uh, but this is going to be a new upcoming event. Go to 2013.cssdevconf.com. It's coming up this October, October 21st through 23rd, uh, in a cool-looking hotel in the Rocky Mountains, and it's just a conference that's all about CS. So Gillen Water, Eric Meyer, Nicole Sullivan, lots of big names going to be there. Um, yeah, you're going to want to check that out. Go to 2013.cssdevconf.com and lynda.com, uh, probably the biggest site on the internet that has tutorials at it. Go to lynda, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash shop talk and you'll get a free week when you sign up. Any of their over 1,500 different courses, learning courses, and a crazy amount of learning material. Again, lynda.com slash shop talk. But for now, let's kick things off. Dear listener, and welcome to Shop Talk Show, a sound effects podcast all about front end web design and development. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Howlin' Christopher Coyer. <laughs> Big nuts. <laughs> yeah. Hi, everybody. We've been watching a little Sea Lab 2021. You guys ever watch that old school Adult Swim? Anyway, there's an awesome episode called Radio Free Sea Lab where. Captain Murphy gets really bored and starts pirate radio station. He has possibly better sound effects than we have on Shop Talk Show. So we're, <laughs> so we're taking them. And with us today is Rachel Neighbors. Thanks for joining us, Rachel. Howdy ho. How are you guys doing today? Yeah. Good. Good, good. Rachel, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you, we've seen you in the chat room in the past, and, and of course we we met and hung out at CSS DevComp in Hawaii. Uh, but uh, what what's what's been going on? What for those who don't know you, maybe you can sum up what your your life's work all is all about. Well, uh, my life's work actually. <laughs> ooh, that's that's pretty incredible. But uh, it's been a long and varied path. I started in comics and ended up in web development. And now it's coming full circle. I am all about the new interactions possible with HTML5 and CSS3. Specifically, I've been digging in deep with CSS animations and the web audio API. And I think we have a fully fledged flash replacement on our hands. Awesome. Yeah, you're, some of your kind of your best known work is your work around like CSS animations. It's true. I, in fact, uh, my big talk for this year is making animated music videos with CSS3 and HTML5 audio. And I've been using CodePen in my talks very extensively. Thank you so much for putting that together, Chris. It's really yeah. changed my, I'd say it's changed my career. I wouldn't be able to give these talks without being able to show people the code in action on screen at the same time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and 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 you're just you're uniquely qualified to to sit in this spot in the web world because you because you have skill as an as an artist as well as and then an interest in animation. So like, who better to 
Tell us all about this stuff, and it's somebody who can kind of do the the whole package, you know, draw it and make it happen. Let's just say one thing about being able to draw my own animations and comics. It takes <laughs> a very, very long time. So while it's great if I need to proof of concept something, I don't have to get any artists to sign on or pay anyone any money. I can just do it myself, put in the time. It takes so long that as soon as I've got people interested who are better artists than I am or fat than I am or faster than I am. I am so just ready to throw the work on them here. You, you design it. You, you come up with something. I'll animate it. (laughs) Nice. So you're, I mean, you're, so you're, you're equally interested in in those things or perhaps even more interested in the, in the, I don't know, shall we say nerdier aspects of. I'm sorry. I missed that last part. Just the, just the, so your last, just for example, one of the last things um, that was super cool on CodePen that you did was actually illustrated by somebody else. So you're equally interested in the, in the, in the, in animation as well as kind of the making it work and the animation and the. Right. I mean, up until I, I hooked up with, uh, I don't know how to pronounce her name. It's X-A-M-A-G, Zamag. She is actually a teenage Russian cartoonist. And she's, she hasn't even graduated from the Russian equivalent of high school yet. And she does this really, really incredible series called The Black Brick Road to Oz. And you can find her at zamag.deviantart.com. And it, it, I've been a fan of her work and watching her from a distance for a long time. I troll deviant art a lot. And uh, I've been following her comic and she'd been doing a couple of things with flash. Like every other page is a little flash room or something that you poke around in. And I thought, this is really neat. I've already been doing a lot of cool stuff with CSS animations. I wonder if I could do something like this. So I hit her up on DeviantArt and I said, hey, check out these animations I made. Do you want to join forces and collaborate? Mm -hmm. I was expecting her to come back with, I have this small project. Maybe we could do this together. Instead, she comes to me with this thing and she's this huge roadblock. She's, she's had this huge concept for a map and this game, and she wants this to be her next installment, but she can't figure out the action script necessary to make it happen in flash. And so she said, I need your help. If you do this, I will be very happy. And it was way bigger than I was expecting. I was like, of of course, I could totally, totally make this happen. (laughs) And I did. And you reached out to her, and it just happened to be this perfect moment where she needed help. Exactly. And it's another proof of concept, and it's way more, let's put it this way, working with other artists forces you to try things that you might not have thought about on your own. I never would have thought about doing a big interactive map on my own. But because she wanted to do this thing, she had this vision. She's actually not a bad game designer, I think. Uh, she, uh, she had this vision. She had all these assets ready to go. We made this thing happen in a week. I kid you not, she sent me the assets, and I put it all together within a week. I had just left my job. I had a lot of free time to dig in with the stuff that I was really interested in, and we made it happen. And it was so cool. That's a great story. You know, Matt, I wish I was that focused when I was... In high school, you know, I was more like, let's go smoke cigarettes at the park. <laughs> <laughs> Instead I'm of like, like, I'm going to design an entire game and, you know, outsource for, with people from d- other countries. <laughs> that's, that's usually, uh, I'm, I'm posting a link to it in the chat room right now. Uh, cool. There seems to be some demand for it. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, it it's hard. I get really obsessed with these things and I've always had this problem. I get very focused, you know, staying up till 3 a.m. My husband has to come in and put a blanket over me so I don't get cold and start shaking in front of my standing desk. I don't even know how I work till 3 a.m. at a standing desk. I think I just kind of <laughs> lean against it, kind of prop myself up and use my pinkies to type after a point. <laughs> wow. So I thought... I saw the thumbnail of this. I thought it was just the loader. Yeah, I uh, couldn't figure out how to get the loader to keep going. <laughs> oh, wow. This is great. Wow. It just keeps going. Very cool. Okay. I mean, I'm okay. Radio Dave, <laughs> get back on the podcast. I'm got sucked into that. That's awesome. That game that you guys made. Okay. Uh, well, that's cool. So you're in, you're doing web now full time. I get freelance, you said, and you're here via comics. I guess that'll give people a frame of reference, huh? Yes. I used to be an award-winning cartoonist. I made comics for teenage girls on a site called girl.com. That's girl with a U. And I had lots of fans. I used to go to comic book conventions. And I was that, I was the person who would only go to a convention if I could get a table. And I won't go to a conference unless I'm speaking, too. I'm, I don't know. I'm hung up on this thing. It's like, no, I have to work. I have to be working at this thing. I didn't come for the free beer. I came to work. <laughs> and uh, I, I was the one who would stay behind my table for the entire convention. And even till the very bitter end on Sundays, after everyone had finished uh, packing up, I would still be there waiting for those people who were wandering around with 20 bucks to spend when all their favorite vendors had packed up and left already. <laughs> And it's like, I will sell to you. Come buy my comics. Uh, wow. Girl.com. This is a pretty famous site. Uh, I'm currently learning how to have a good hookup. Uh, so. <laughs> it has changed hands and the quality has changed significantly from back in 2006. Yeah. I remember it being kind of this like uh, really proactive, like, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? Like, teenage feminist yeah kind of, it was totally uh, an onboarding for for young women to uh I, I don't want to use the word empowerment because it's so overused but let's just say that the editorial staff was totally uh on board with feminism and women realizing their full potential and it's kind of since the original staff has turned over the company's changed hands several times the the quality has changed the site has become Less unique and more of a, a banner ad farm. And uh, mm. that's mm. sad, but that's why I've archived all of my comics at rachelthegreat.com, which okay. is hopefully it, it still acts as a beacon to all my old fans who remember, uh, who remember back in the day. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, cool. Um, we got, a lot to talk about so we'll we'll uh be sure to link these up in the show notes but um if you guys don't mind we're it's time to head into the hot drama from this week and boy howdy the the web did not fail us there's plenty of hot drama it's going just on. you know if it rains it pours <clears throat> it's, or something is that a saying i think it is i think that's true yeah so the first bit of drama is H group was removed from HTML5 5.1. So H group, no longer a thing. H group was a tag that you might put around, let's say, an H1 and an H2 tag. It was meant to wrap multiple headers together. 
I guess, I guess that was the thinking behind it. And, and uh, I don't know, like, so if it was like, you might have a header or you might have a header and a subheader. And if you're in a case where you have a header and a subheader, you might want to style them a little differently. There might be a little different spacing. Maybe you'd like notch down the enormousness of the header to make room for a subheader or something. I thought it made sense. I, I, that, that seems to make sense to me. I think what they said was we are asking for real world use cases and we just didn't, we didn't get there. We didn't find any. I, I think that was just it. It came on the chopping block and people were like, give us use cases. And even the people who were fighting for it could not provide use cases. Um, so it was recommended that it um, just goes away. And that was kind of Steve Faulkner, I think, was kind of the decision maker there. New new guy to the uh, HTML group. And he does a lot of accessibility stuff. But yeah. I think I like this person. Yeah, yeah no, I, I I mean I I liked H group just fine, but I totally that sounds under- like Rachel, you are anti H group. I think I actually tweeted about why like why do we have H group several years ago. Um I have questioned the legitimacy of this tag for a long time because anytime you look up the spec about it or you ask someone like why would you use this over a header and a P tag or maybe create a tagline element because that seemed to be the only use case that was floating around. The answer was always kind of mushy, you know, uh, well, uh, search, <laughs> search engines, you know, it's like, search engines. you guys killed dialogue, but you let H group live. What's wrong with you? Dialogue is back, but it's different. Uh, really dialogues back. Yes. Now it's for dialogue boxes, not marking up a dialogue, like an interview, which dialogue makes me sad. Because I was going to use it to mark up comics, responsive comics. Well, the big <laughs> there's been a big thing. Like, didn't we talk about that last week? Yeah, possibly. We should have saved that question. Darn. Um, yeah, no. I, I, I. The big thing is there's not a real good way to mark up like a screenplay, something with like actors and and voices right. and stuff like that, and or that, interviews, or interviews, or comics, which you would be very interested in, I'm sure. I so. have a vested interest. <laughs> Biased party says, uh, but yeah, no, I, that's, I don't know what, uh, yeah. Why, why are they stalling out on that? That's unfortunate. Oh, huh. I'm still sad about age group. I could have came up with good use cases for age. group. All right. Like? <laughs> like, let's say I have a blog like CSS tricks and sometimes I have a header like I just type in a header for a blog, and then I have an optional subheader, and sometimes it gets output, and sometimes it doesn't. If it does get output, I would wrap them both in an H group tag so that I would I would style them a bit differently. If if the if the, it was optionally there, I don't know. Why not just use a div as a class? Well, then then why then why because anything could be a div with why do we have any different tags why do we even have h1s why do we have unordered lists they could all be divs with classes i think it's so that the robots reading it can infer some meaning from it and maybe not dock you double for like keyword loading your h tags and seo i'm an seo (laughs) dave rupert seo uh i can see it i don't really care that much (laughs) Yeah, I'm whatever. I think I think I think 
I think it's good that we are still putting things like on the chopping block that we are like, okay, let's make sure this is actually good. That's and, true. I like, like the idea that we're not afraid to remove things because that's that's a bigger problem. If we no. never removed anything, it would just grow, 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 grow. And that would suck. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the French Revolution either, though. So we can feel relatively safe that our darlings, some of them will survive. Yeah. Yeah. Except time. That was real close. Time. <laughs> No. All right. <laughs> go on, go on. All right, all right. Okay, next one. There was a little bit of uh, hot drama around copywriting and design. Uh, this guy, Robert Williams, wrote a somewhat pejorative post on what about... What does that word mean? What's that? What does pejorative mean? Uh, punchy. like, okay. Or just, just sort of like you're doing Rabble it wrong. Rabble-rousing? Rabble rousing, yeah, yeah. Um, about startups need good copy more than they need good design, uh, and that sparked, you know, the typical hacker news fiascos. Uh, and Tim Smith, uh, past guest on the show, host of the uh, East Wing podcast, got himself wrapped up in some hot drama and tang- ensnared, I believe, is the term. And uh, he uh, wrote a post um, on his blog called good copy is more valuable than design uh which is you know interesting uh like it's interesting that this guy wrote this big post on like copy being more important than design um and yeah did you guys get a chance to read this or see this it's like one of those things where everybody in the end is gonna agree that they're both important things and I think that's the conclusion Tim came to was that they are of equal importance or they You can't just not have CSS on a website and 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 say, Well, the copy's good, so I'll do better than yours that does use CSS with your medium good copy. <laughs> or you know <laughs> what I mean? Like of course you need a little bit of both. I mean and then so and then the argument is like, well, if you put them on a scale and weighed them on either side, which one is, is more valuable. And that's what the argument is really about. The scale would tip slightly towards copy. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I, you know, what's interesting. And this is going to be me being a scumbag. (laughs) Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Every time there's a post about content or copy, it is so long uh. that I don't read it. <laughs> Every single time. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so bored. <laughs> I just like, I just look at, I just scroll through and see how long it takes me. That's, the, that's what happens. Anyway, that's me, scumbag Dave Rupert. Wonk, wonk. Something I've, I've noticed a trend lately at conferences, and I think I've probably mentioned this. Uh, a couple times before in other locations is that there's always, there's always at least one or two tracks about content and uh, you know, you know, uh, organizing the content, getting content, et cetera. But I feel like every time I go in, they're not talking about content. They're talking about copy with the occasional audio or video file thrown in. And I, I don't know, I think with the responsive web design, it feels to me like we're starting to heavily confuse content and copy together and the browser is starting to turn into a glorified document reader and interaction design, those sorts of things are going to be challenged more and more, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. now that people aren't throwing crazy flash pages all over the place because of uh, iOS. 
it's rather new that there's there's content tracks at conferences. Yeah, I mean it's it is true that it's pretty it's getting a lot more common. But I think if you asked the people that tend to roll in those crowds, they'd be like, "This is brand brand new," you know, and good for it. And then I come in and I I give my talk where first thing I say is, "Content does not equal copy." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're scudding the whole track. You're... No, um, I was gonna say a thing about this. Uh, people in the chat room are talking, um, Wiseacre in the chat room, just saying like, everyone likes what they like or, and, or everyone likes what they get paid to do. Mm. So everyone writes a blog post about how this is what I'm paid to do. Therefore it is the most important. And then somebody's going to write a post called, uh, what somebody else gets paid to do is not the future. And that's how that's the full circle of the web. (laughs) My mom sells printing, right? And she'll go in to talk to somebody about like, oh, you're, so this is your business, huh? You sell batteries? You know what you need? A bunch of printed stuff. That would really <laughs> tie the room together around here. That would really kick things up a notch. You know, like, of course, that's her job. She sells printing, you know? The, and, it, and there probably is some benefit to it. Whereas, you know, somebody who builds websites might go in and be like, you know what you guys need? A better website. That would be, that would be killer for you. Of course. You're going to sell so many batteries with a website. That's a a really, I don't know if that's cynical or just realistic outlook on the world. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) Oh, sad. Let's give a trombone for that one. (laughs) Okay. Shall we move on? We got one more bit of hot drama. This, this is actually, really the big one. This right. is the big one. Google Forks WebKit starts Blink, a new rendering engine. Oh, it's it's like you know the day they forked it, it's just WebKit, right? So it's still pretty close to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just from now on they can they don't have to like report to the WebKit gods or whatever or just. There is no upstream. They are upstream. So one of my big questions is how much of WebKit was the Chromium team committing back to WebKit? Is it Was it a small portion? Was it a few commits here and there? Was it a majority of WebKit work is done by Chrome people and now that's going away? Because presumably people at Apple work on WebKit. Presumably there's open source contributors to WebKit who don't necessarily report to anybody because it's an open source project. I mean, how much of WebKit was Chrome? So is WebKit going to really, really stagnate because because Google employees don't commit back to it anymore or not? That's what I'd like to know. I mean, maybe Rachel knows, but I had heard that it's there's been more commits of late by Google, but it's like 50-50 Apple-Google in, in hmm. just about. But... I guess maybe that's sixty forty in the last year or two. However, um, so that's a big loss of of talent for WebKit itself. But um, what else? What else? What other questions were you wondering? Or <laughs> sorry, I lost. I don't know. I mean, did you follow this, Rachel? Do you, you have any opinions on this? Blink. I'm actually just a little bit confused by the whole WebKit branching thing. It's like, is Blink going to be something completely different? Is this going to be an offshoot growing in its own direction? Or is it just going to be like a flavor of WebKit? Kind of like, I don't know, like, like is this a new rendering engine or is it just a new iteration of WebKit? It's, 
Uh, I just want to know if web audio and the CSS3 animations that I use are going <laughs> to continue to get the tender loving care on all WebKit browsers, or if now it, I'm only going to get fancy new features in Blink. Well, it's not going to get any worse. Yeah. Right? So I it's think, still I not think... entirely baked yet, though. <laughs> I think those those two are good examples of what Blink might bring to the table because, like, one of Chrome's strengths is that it's um, it taps into all the dual processors or quadruple processor. Like, it goes yeah. WebKit's only single process, and and um, Chromium was multiprocess. Uh, to my understanding, I'm not good at this stuff, but. Um, but then that's some hot drama within there because WebKit was like, hey, why don't you commit that stuff upstream? And Google's like, no, bro, these are our codes. And then uh, then WebKit's like, okay, well, here's WebKit 2. This is the thing that WebKit 2 will now have multiprocessor support. And I think that's probably where Google was like, uh, WebKit 2 sounds like a lot of work for us to integrate. Mm. So we're not doing it. So Okay, that makes sense. So they, I think they will go in a different direction. I mean, you know, no more different than whatever Firefox and WebKit, I guess. A lot of these, they did a pretty good job of answering a lot of these questions. One of them was, what about, what if, what if Google wants to do a bunch of cool new features? And one mm-hmm. of, you know, being even stuff like Dart or whatever, but, but also like, let's say if they want to like really finish baking the web audio API or something that Rachel would care a bunch about that, like they're, they said they're not going to, like, just go rogue and just start, like, adding tons of features to Blink. That's not their, like, intention with this. They plan to be more interoperable than that. They're not, they're not trying to force anything down anybody's throat by fork, forking this. They just – they said, you know, when we switch to this, we get to remove, like, 7,000 files from the, from the repo or something like that. It's just it's, – it's simplifying their work a lot so they have less – they can theoretically move forward – with I don't know doing things. Ah, gosh, I'm just mumbling my words. We're gonna have to get somebody on that can. That's, yeah, can we should explain bring this in more. Mike Taylor. Mike Taylor is he works at Opera. He knows all this stuff. We got to get him on. And Opera is actually going with Blink too. So yeah, that was a big that was a big question right away. But they said from the beginning they're gonna fork. They're gonna go with Chromium, not necessarily WebKit or whatever. So whatever Chromium does, they'll do. Yes. Uh, Doesn't sound so <sighs> good for Chromium. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if this is a. It's. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I do think it's interesting. They're putting all the the features in flags. Like you have to go and enable Dart in in a flag. Um, I guess that works really well for them in like internal applications because if you're offloading all of Dart's processing, you know, to a a backend. The yeah. argument would be that they're not going to get as good or as much of feedback as they would if they prefix stuff. Because nobody's going to try it. Nobody's going to turn on a flag and, and, and actually use it. Right. Well, yeah. I think that example is very weird to me because, like, if Dart becomes a thing, then, like, is Microsoft going to be like, cool, well, we're rocking TypeScript in, every, in IE now, and it's that's running behind the scenes, and, or you, and you can enable that. And then, like, so people just now we're getting back into the like siloed this only works on this browser with this plugin enabled basically i don't know um got i don't know that would I, be the big worry i mean yeah. if things get more siloy instead of less that would suck so that's yeah. what we're worried about like moving fast is good but 
you know, bad ideas are bad. <laughs> so <laughs> take age group, for example. Don't be age group, Google Dart. That's all right. Cool. Uh, shall we move on? Um, I got a, a question, a, just a real quick question from at idiot on Twitter. He asks, what do you call a designer who doesn't use glossy layer styles? A flat design. Matt. <laughs> Did you get Matt? Sing the day. <laughs> that was a good one. Thanks, idiot. You didn't submit that. I stole that. Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. It's Other a flat news. design joke. What's that? Nothing. Flat design joke. Oh. Um, other news. Uh, Chris and I want to announce uh, we made this thing called Time Jump, and it's available right now on the Shop Talk Show website. You just go in to an episode, and you use a little query parameter like question mark T equals, and then you put in a little timestamp like one m 5s that's one minute five seconds and it'll fast forward the podcast to that timestamp. and um anyway so we made a uh a, a little whatchamacallit a little plugin that you could drop into a site if you run a podcast or something like that called time jump it's on github uh and yeah you can just put in some time jump and then pretty cool in a perfect world, all of the questions would have little links that you could click to get to them. We're not there yet because we have a lot of content that would be hard to go back and do all that for. But hopefully in the future, we can we can add those links in there and you can kind of click and jump around in the show. Uh, but more importantly, you can share it. You, they were On every show right now, it works that you can add the query parameter and jump to that spot. Mm-hmm. Does this work with screencasts as well? Or just podcasts at this point. It is video too. It, it it'll work video. with video too. Oh, excellent! So, hey, yeah. Excellent. So this could, I, I guess, yeah. If you're doing like a screencast on uh, your website, or you could actually be like, oh, I talked about that at minute fifteen ninety two. What? That's fifteen hundred ninety two minutes would be a very long screencast. But you get the point. Um, uh, you know, there's there's lots of stuff. YouTube does has done this for a while. Like they they have like a little embed or link to this and start at. So, um, but yeah, I think that 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 should be good. So, I think I think it's the wave of the future here. So, right, and it's only a few lines long. So even though it's not jQuery, it's still in Dave's wheelhouse of small plugins. I think thirty two was the uh, thirty two lines of code or something. Yeah. Oh. I screwed it up on Chop Talk Show. I had to alter it to get our little. Oh, we'll get it fixed. We I already got the fix going, so we're we're in good okay. shape. So, right. cool. Question awesome. and answers. We got lots of them, and I picked out some some ones that I that I hope Rachel has some thoughts on. Okay. I kind of got a guess, and we don't tell guests ahead of time what the questions are. I don't know if you guys knew that, but it's just to make it a little more off the cuff. The more you know. All right, go ahead. Brett, Donna, who? What's your opinion on designing with hover slash mouse over events? In my mind and device, you know. It, it, it. Okay. 
What's your opinion on designing with Hover and as far as like device compatibility is concerned? From what I've seen so far, it's currently a design faux pas, but it looks like things could change. And then he links up a YouTube video that has the Samsung Galaxy S4 where you like hover your finger over the screen and it triggers the Hover event. So like hovers are back on sometimes. And he kind of asks, will Hover mouse over events be um, be widely, will ever, will they ever be widely accepted on mobile devices as it is? Well, to be honest, I don't really like hover events on desktops. Um, usually, I mean, think about when we use hovers. We usually use them for things like tool tips or, you know, just some weird little effect. like well, a, links, you know? Yeah, like this is where your mouse is because it's such a tiny pointer on this great big screen. And you can do all kinds of things to abuse this power. For instance, tool tips. And tool tips are something I have railed against in... Uh, in 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 other forums i most of the times when people use a tooltip on a screen you know it's you hover over something you're not sure what it is and a little box with text explaining what it is pops up right next to it that is the definition of tooltip here well if it's not apparent what something what something is uh just by looking at it i consider that a huge design flaw you've you've not made this intuitive enough for people to just figure it out on their own. You have to rely on them moving their pointer over it to figure out what the mystery meat is. Mm. So as far as I'm concerned, good design should not rely on hovers. And I could care less if they're ever supported on mobile devices. But that's me personally. I'm sure there are cases where hover is important. But once again, you get all kinds of problems, especially when you come into a assistive technologies, how do you handle this information, which is only revealed when somebody focuses on it? How do you describe what a focus is? It, eh, I say good riddance to hover. Yeah. So let's, but let's, let's say in a future. So I, I think this is a interesting and, and fair point. Let's say in the future though, this, this, um, uh, 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 galaxy S4 interaction of hovering your finger over it was per, on every single mobile device had it. It was just, it became yeah. the absolute standard. Would it still be stupid? Would hover still be kind of like, eh. and I think we, where you were going with that, Rachel's yes, that even, even no matter what the platform or whatever hovers are just, ugh. could you repeat that again? Somebody on the forum distracted me. <laughs> Oh, it's okay. It's it was like let's say that this interaction that is in this Samsung Galaxy S4 video, uh, where you kind of like hover your finger over the screen, became the de facto standard, and it okay. became on every single device, okay. and it was just the absolute way to do it. Would they? Would it still be? Would hover still be? Yeah. I think you could. People would probably design to it, but like many things, there would be people abusing it, um, which is why always try to leave i always would would try to leave hover as the very last line of defense in a design just because mm-hmm. even with full wide scale recognition you're still hiding information from people yeah um i i felt like w- when i watched the video hovering over something was super painful like like she's like her fingers like trembling, like just to hold it in the right, like eight millimeters from the screen or something like that. Can you imagine using that on a subway or in a moving vehicle or anything? Oh yeah. I mean the subway would move and you just accidentally punch your phone. Right. So, (laughs) uh, I mean, 
I don't, I, it seems like it's not a dependable interaction, you know, like, right. I, I don't know, but you're right, Chris. I mean, if everything had it or if iPhone launched with it, would we be like, it's dumb, but, um, maybe the reason iPhone didn't launch with it was because it's it's it is dumb. dumb. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Steve Jobs would probably say, I like, like the idea that it's stupid. Like that. First of all, you shouldn't rely on it now, which you shouldn't, but it's hard to say like super dogmatically that, that every single hover sl- that reveals information is a bad idea. I mean, that's just too strong of a statement for me these days. Um, but it's, but, uh, it's so easy to make bad design decisions. For instance, in the shop, shop talk chat right now, you'll notice that we have little, uh, little circular icons representing our, our Twitter IDs or our, our avatars. And we also have, our names and in this uh, sidebar you can see that there's 75 people online and the little image is next to the name so that's great you can see about the first 10 people there and when you're looking in the chat room there's a lot of avatars and sometimes one will say something like at so and so this person is directing this comment toward a person right but who mm-hmm. is Sylvanon? I mean, I don't see Sylvanon's name. I see avatars. Unless I know what Sylvanon looks like, I can't tell which one of these people is him or her and uh, who's being so replied to. So you have to, to go all the way upstream to find... Right. I have to start hovering over everybody's avatar to reveal their name until I find who Sylvanon is. It makes it hard to keep track of this conversation. And while someone might say, hey, that was just a, a little something extra we threw into the design. Yeah. But you failed to see how this could make it hard to involve yourself in the interaction by adding it on as a little bit of icing. So that's one of the reasons why I avoid hovers. It's way too easy to to lean on them as a crutch and overlook some really bad user experiences. Yeah, I would say like uh, talking about the same thing um, on online, if you want to go block somebody. And you like hover over their name, like Sylvanon. I'm hovering over his name. I can block him. Uh, the cursor actually like kind of tells you what's going to happen. It doesn't say like this will block this person, but you sort of get like, oh, I'm about to delete this guy. That's kind of cool. Um, I, so I guess I don't know. Hovers can be good and they can be um, misused. I suppose is the is it that everything on the web? So. Oh. I want to talk. I've... I think just accidentally banned him in the chat room. Oh no! <laughs> Oops. Sorry. Can you really? Can you Sorry, bro. Yeah, you can. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, bro. We can work this out. He says. All right. Oh, funny, funny, funny. But I just, I just want to <laughs> qualify all of this while I'm saying that you can make really terrible design decisions by including hover in your arsenal. It should also be mentioned that I am the person who's using uh, web audio and CSS animations without asking people's permission sometimes. <laughs> well, there you go. So We all yeah. have to be thoughtful designers. Yeah, exactly. You, you do what you... If you want to use it, you're going to use it. That's kind of the thing, huh? With great power like comes audio. great responsibility, yo. Do you... So- Web, sorry, web audio. Can I hijack, or yep. do we have to keep going? Yep. yep. No, I, we can be done with Brett. We'll just say Brett. It probably won't be as widely accepted. Dave, web audio. Uh, Rachel, Rachel, you do a lot of web audio. How how have you found that to be? Uh, it's kind of this new thing where you can like 
play sounds and add effects like guitar amplifier kind of effects like reverb and stuff. Uh, are, are you using it day to day? Is that? I'm not using those effects day to day. I'm actually using web audio. It's, um, it's like using a pipe wrench to crack pistachios for me. I'm just, okay. I'm just like, I, I want to use this HTML5 audio uh, bit here, but I, I want it to loop and I don't want there to be gaps because the HTML5 audio's API is just not that elegant. If you set it to loop, there'll be a little gap at the end of each track. So, so this is like, it, this is if you have an audio tag source equals song.mp3, and then there's events that you can attach to that. Like when it's done, then start it over, there'll be a gap. With HTML5 yeah. audio, you can set one of the properties you, you can uh, to loop. You can say, loop this audio. Oh, when you hit play... Right in the HTML. Right, exactly. And when I saw that, I was like, I'm going to do something cool with that. And I, this is the basis for my whole idea that I could make a, a cartoon with a looping background song. And I found out, actually, that HTML5 audio's native looping ability sucks because there's always that gap at the end because uh, it loads up a, a new instance of the object and there's this tiny little processing gap. Well, to get around that, you can just use the Web Audio API, which is where you get a set source and a set destination. Here I would use the source of the HTML5 audio file, and I would use the destination, my speakers, and then you use the API to say, I want to loop this, I want to insert that. You could add all kinds of little filters and things in between the source and the destination, which is what you guys were talking about. But as I just said, all I'm really doing is I want to loop this piece here, and then I want to add this piece here. So I'm using a pipe wrench to open pistachios. So the pipe wrench being the web audio API, which has nothing to do with an audio tag on your page, right? It doesn't. That's the it's a way of yeah. manipulating audio tags or audio inputs from your computer. So it's like, uh, it, I don't know if only heavy nerds probably know Max MSP, which is like this kind of really techie, nerdy, you know, I don't know, hack thing. I don't know. MIDI, guys. It all comes down to MIDI. Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. Pretty much MIDI. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Thanks for explaining what you were doing. I was just curious because it, it's... Does it turn out if you use the Web Audio API and you loop it, it can do it seamlessly? It can. No hacks okay. involved. And the other cool thing, and this is... Uh, we were talking about that game I did earlier with uh, Zamag, Black Brick Road number 11, which you can mm -hmm. see on my code... Uh, on CodePen, actually. Uh, oh, I'll post a link um, on my Twitter. If you go to Crochick on Twitter, I will post a link very soon. But right. we're going to do a version two. I teamed up with a, a sound designer friend of mine who is a Rubyist. So uh, <laughs> it's so great that I have friends who can do things I can't. And he's made some tracks, and we're going to experiment with doing directional sound. The neat thing about the Web Audio API is you can actually uh, position sound in 3D. So if you're wearing your headphones, it can sound like something's coming off from one side, or uh, gives you a, makes you yes, this is great for gaming. It has all kinds of practical applications. So what I'm going to do is add a bunch of sounds to the game, so you can hear the tinkle of the waterfall in the distance. And as you move from room to room, the soundscape will change as the atmosphere darkens or, or becomes flowery. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. 
you know what? I was at I was at a South by Southwest, like not this year. It was like a number of years ago. I was at a panel where there was this iPhone game. I can't remember. But it was a horror game. Yeah. And it was you had to put headphones on, and there was no visuals at all. It was totally black screen, and you would tap the left side of the black screen to um, walk with your left foot and the right foot. So you go to walk forward and it would make the sound of walking and it was a totally audio game and you were like in a maze and you would like tilt the phone to move left or right as you walk and you would like run into walls and stuff but there was always like something chasing you and it would totally like eat you and kill you if you didn't if you didn't like make the way through the maze and there was a little beeping sound that you'd have to like get towards that was like the where you had to get and you could hear where it was because the sounds were created in such a way that you could like tell if it was behind you or in front of you or in front of you to the right or whatever it was pretty cool that is really cool uh do you remember what it was called oh it had this like awesome weird looking mask (laughs) iphone game all sound anyway if i think of it i will i will i will get it's called like papa diablo or something but that's not it (laughs) I love that. I feel like it had some kind of Latin tint to it. I can't remember. Anyway, should we do another question? Yes, yeah. please. Let's Actually, go. let me do a sponsor. I want to do okay. Environments for Humans. Is that is that okay? Hit it. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were all... So last, this last, what, December, I guess, all three of us were at the CSS DevConf in Hawaii, and it was totally awesome. They are, <laughs> it was the first one ever. They're doing it again. It's going to be at the Stanley Hotel in the Rocky Mountains. It's October 21st through 23rd. So it's a three-day thing. All the biggest names in in CSS are going to be there except for me. (laughs) 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 I might go hang out. I just couldn't make – whatever. I I didn't – my talk got rejected, you guys. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Tab Atkins is going to be there, who kind of holds the future of CSS in his hands often. Estelle Weil, who does all kinds of, of tr- really specific training and always has some things you didn't know that you could do with CSS. Jonathan Snook's going to be there. The Smack Master. Zoe Gillenwater. Eric Meyer. Nicole Sullivan. All these people you've heard. Huge names. And the, and the call for speakers is out. Uh, so if you have an idea for a talk that you want to do, this is your chance. You go to cssdevconf.com, you go down to the giant submit proposal button and you type in uh, what you want to talk about, you know, what's the what's the audience level, yada, 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 and make your pitch for your talk and you might get to speak at it, which would be super cool. I, I spoke at CSS uh, DevConf uh, at, in Hawaii this year. I'm sorry, last year it was 2012, but it was an excellent excellent experience and i'm so glad that i submitted my talk idea of that's how you got in is because you filled out a form just like this i did and you know what i filled out uh that form and i had to think of something really incredible because i really wanted to go and meet you guys and i had to think of something that they would accept something that would knock their socks off and that's how i ended up uh going crazy with css3 animations and audio because i was like i'm I'm gonna make cartoons with just css And some HTML5 audio. Yeah, I can do that. I will totally do that. And it was crazy awesome idea and crazy awesome worked out. So if you are hesitating about submitting a proposal, do not hesitate. Get your butt down there. It's awesome. You know how we we do like the the, uh, the drama at conferences is like it just comes up all the time. This particular conference did a totally blind thing, right? The people would then vote on your proposal. So you did such a good job with your proposal that when people were browsing these things, they knew nothing about you. They didn't know your name. They didn't know your gender. They knew nothing about you other than what your title was and what your talk was about. 
and they voted for it and you got in, right? It's a pretty cool way to do it, isn't it? It's great. It's actually the closest thing we have to meritocracy at some of these conferences. And I have to say, I was impressed by the, the different talks that were there. There was automated CSS testing with, uh, with um, oh, Simon. He was awesome. Just so I have rarely been to conferences where I have been as blown away as I was at this one. It is totally worth the time and effort. Yeah. That one was crazy, that testing one. I still haven't oh. done a whole lot of it because it's still in its infancy, I feel like. Yeah, Dave, you were there. That was crazy. So good. I need, I've already, yeah, I've got a post written about all the things I would test if I were to do it, and I just need to start doing it. So. I need, like, Z-index testing. Like, like, what is the thing that's on the top on this page at this moment, you know? Actually, mm. it's. I'm thinking it's really going to help me with future interactions because as I've been working with more and more animations, things get oh, more man. and more complicated, and I want to make sure that I'm not breaking anything. So yeah, that you didn't break all the old stuff that you did. Like, <laughs> does the does the down button on scene one of as I'm working on scene seventy two still work? Yeah. Right, and sometimes this stuff would happen, and you know, it, it's great that people will notice it. You can catch it and go back and fix it, but. With the cascading nature of style sheets, one fix in one place can sometimes harm things in another place. Yeah. It's a lot to keep in your head. It is. <laughs> yeah. Lots of action. Let's do another question. All right. Ne next question. Here we go. From Mike Tarosian uh, on a responsive website. What is the best way to take a section from the desktop version and turn it into a collapsible item at the smaller resolutions so that clicking it will reveal the content Will the overall, with the overall goal of being to, being to keep vertical scrolling to a minimum and present clear a cleaner, simplified layout without having to remove content. So, how do you take a section of content, let's say, an H three tag, and a, and then right below that you have a, a an image in a paragraph, and then on mobile you want it to just show the H three kind of or whatever that sure, text right. was. Blog in, post, blog post, blog post, blog post. And then you you know the the screen is small enough and it just says title 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 title. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how do you do that? First of all, is that a good idea? Yeah, I, I see where he's going. Um, I've seen similar things done with CSS in HTML emails, and uh, well, the client supports the CSS, but honestly. Uh, well, okay, you could use some JavaScript to add class. Uh, let's see, use media queries to make sure that that, that portion that you want to hide is hidden um, below a certain resolution. And then when add some JavaScript so that when people click on the uh, container element, the, uh, yeah, it, it adds another class, class name and that, changes yeah. the visibility or height of the object. Exactly. That's the cleanest yeah simplest way you could do that probably was that a trick <laughs> question no no <laughs> from, no um from the uh like mobile first perspective basically you're just starting out everything's an accordion and then all those accordions are expanded right like when you get larger i was gonna say it's fresh on my mind but um uh what's his face brad frost What's his face? He uh, he did a post over on HTML5 Rocks, um, and he has a demo for a mobile first uh, mobile first e-commerce kind of thing. And towards the or where oh shoot maybe I'm missing it here. 
Um, at some point he had it, Oh, maybe he changed it or something like that. He like progressively disclosed. Oh yeah. So like his, all the extra metadata, similar t-shirts, all the reviews and comments and stuff. Those are like, those do what you're talking about, Mike. They'll, they'll just basically be an accordion on mobile and sp- spread out when they're, when they're uh, wider. So there you go. Look yeah. into that. I like the mobile first idea there. I'll make it that way to begin with. And then I've seen a pretty cool one where instead of hiding the other content, it take like, imagine each one of these blog posts was like literally in like an article tag, you know, and, and it, the article tag had like a white background and the background had like a dark background. So each one of these was like a little card. Yeah. You can imagine that. And then when, when mobile got smaller, it positioned them absolutely let's say each one of them is like 500 pixels tall well the first one would be like position absolute top 20 pixels and the next one would be like position absolute top 40 pixels so it looked like a stack of cards going down they didn't hide it it just stacked them up and then as you clicked it it would slide the other ones out of their way to read so that was pretty cool you could do some fancy stuff with some uh 3d uh transforms there too yeah totally in the whisking of them away and and back in and whatnot or maybe that's too cute well i could just you know, be too a, ridiculously cute we can't like you know that's it's funny like trying to decide design decisions based on nothing real <laughs> <laughs> uh theoretical designing yeah with, with dave rachel and chris <laughs> that's our next spin-off podcast guys just where yeah. we say wouldn't it be cool if and then we just <laughs> Go over now. They'd be like, no, no. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, I'm gonna well, do one more sponsor. We have Lynda.com. L Y N D A. dot com. Even though you've probably heard of it before, go to Lynda.com slash shop talk. Over seventy seven thousand videos there. More being added all the time. I was just on it recently, and there was like sixteen hundred some complete series on learning stuff. And as I've said before on the show, like you couldn't listen to all of those things in your lifetime if you wanted to. So you're gonna have to pick and choose. What do you want to learn about when you get your free week at Lynda.com? By going Lynda.com slash shop talk. Uh, and after that free week, it starts out like twenty. 25 bucks a month. So you have access to this crazy huge learning library uh, for, for very little money, really. It's kind of like a cheap version of college with like less <laughs> house parties. Ooh, and special special shout out to homegirl DLH uh, on Twitter. She just released a really cool... Uh, Valhead? Yes, Valhead. Thank you. I know everyone by their Twitter IDs, but not by their names or faces. She has She's got a new course on there? Yes, about CSS animation. So you all should go over there and check those out. Nice. Cool. I have a course in there, too, about WordPress. It's a little old, but it's not. it, it doesn't matter how old it is because it was just about the theory of, you know... Hey, WordPress theme design. Yeah. Do I'm going to write a jingle for <laughs> Linda real quick. Ready? Mm-hmm. Hold on. Oh, HTML5 audio API fail. All right, never oh. mind. All right, I'll That's work on the sad. jingle. I thought it was on an iPad. I was uh, going to go like... L-Y-N-D-A. Maybe we can sing it together. Ready? Hello. So they have all the web stuff for all you web nerds, but they also have like photography and audio and video and stuff, 3D stuff, running a business stuff. It's pretty cool. So, so it's not all web stuff, even because you guys already know that stuff. You can upgrade your other life skills. Oh, let's yeah. do another question. All right. Next question. 
comes in from Shane Dunn. I'm trying to get into speaking at conferences. This one's perfect. Uh, trying to get into speaking at conferences and I have passion for sharing knowledge and training others. I already write on various articles and tutorials for other sites. I've been a tech reviewer for two recently published books and do some one-on-one -on -one training sessions with some uh, of the developers at work. But I really have the drive to speak at conferences and share with a much larger audience in that environment. I tried submitting some talks for conferences last year. All of them were rejected. I have also started doing this, uh, doing the same this year, but I wondered if you guys had any advice on submitting talk proposals. Do you ever have to submit them or do you usually just get asked? Excellent question. So Rachel, uh, you just said you submitted a, a talk. How do, how do you usually get to, to speak at various things? Well, interesting. Uh, thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> actually, I have. Well, you're doing quite a lot of it, right? Uh, I am. Kind of this year. Okay, good. And right. uh, I actually had very humble beginnings. It's neat when I when I see guys like you. You know, I, I feel like you're always going to these conferences, and you probably don't even have to submit talks. People just throw themselves at your feet and are like, "Oh my God, Chris, please come to our conference. You're so awesome. Please, we love you." And I was like, well, how do I get people to do that for me? I guess they're never going to come knocking on my door. I'm going to have to go out and meet them. And I had very humble beginnings. I started by actually talking at local meetups, specifically uh, the local WordPress meetup. I was really into WordPress for several years. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm more in love with CSS right now than content management systems. And... I started by speaking at local meetups, you know, I, I would talk with the organizers, see what people were interested in, what I knew about that other people wanted to know about, and I'd come in and do a little little spiel, a little code demo, and that was a great place to get my chops up so that I could get used to talking in front of people, I could start honing my material, I would always pull someone aside afterward and, and say, you know, what did you what did you really enjoy about this talk where where were sticking points today fail you in some way you know try to get the feedback you have to search for feedback don't just expect people to come up and tell you oh you sucked at this or i really loved everything about it you have to solicit feedback and then i started amping it up i, I started by offering to go to local conferences as a you know started with lightning talks you know the little five minutes get up and shout out your beef type thing uh, and then I started going further abroad specifically to cities where I had friends or family that I could stay with so that I wouldn't have to be like oh I can come but you have to pay for my hotel room haha -ha. because that does get in the way if you're an unproven speaker you will probably have to pay for your own tickets or your own travel or your own uh, hotel room. You're rarely going to get a free ride and you have to, you have to prove that you're a decent person to have out there. It, so I made sure that I was submitting to places that were not too hard for me to get to. I also was lucky enough to have one of my talks recorded on video. This is important. If you can get someone to record you speaking on video, even at a meetup, it really helps when you're submitting to bigger conferences because then they say, well, do you have yourself talking on video in front of a crowd? You can be like, yes, yes, I do. Here's the link. That's a big one nowadays. I, I, I think most people are asking for videos. Yes. I just give it to them if and, they don't rightly ask. so. Nobody wants to – I've been to conferences. When I go to these things, I sit through the talks to watch how other people are doing and to learn. And I'm always disappointed when there's someone up there who's just – 
losing me. Really, they look like yeah. confused, or or they're <laughs> shy, or they're mumbling, or you know, they just haven't done this much. They had a really great talk proposal, but their delivery just fell flat. They haven't they haven't been practicing. And it's like the themselves. Jeopardy model, where you, you can be real, real smart and get and, and pass the tests on Jeopardy, and then you have to go and prove that you're like TV capable. Yes, but one thing. Now he said that he submitted some ideas and they got rejected. Mm. Yeah, how do you, how do you fix this? I'm curious. Actually, I have an awesome link, and I'm going to put it in the chat room for you. This is something I'm on. hoping to write an article about for Ladies in Tech soon. Um, awesome which is a really cool site. You should check it out. Um, lots of information for people who want to be speakers or are interested in speaking. Even if you're not a lady, you might get some benefit from scoping out the resources. I, uh, <laughs> when I started, I started working my unique comics and UX angle because I, I know a lot about how people uh, go into a flow state from writing and drawing comics. I, I, I'm used to grabbing readers' attention and leading them through a story to lead them to a conclusion. And I, I would always submit my talks to UX uh, conferences, etc. Usually I would uh, I'd, I'd go at it from this unique angle. Not a lot of people in comics are submitting talks about comics and UX. So that gives me a really good in there. I don't have a lot of competition on that topic. Um, when it came to WordPress conferences or WordCamps, I would, I, of course, they would be less interested in a talk about comics and web design. So I would have to go with something uh, a little bit closer to their topic. For instance, WordPress security or advanced theming for WordPress. Those were two talks that I, I gave at WordCamps and locally that were very successful. And once again, it was for those a little bit more about picking an, uh, a topic that nobody was covering. So you have topics and you have angles. Think about your experience. Uh, what have you done that nobody else does? What's your background? Were you raised on a farm? Have you worked for a big uh, pharmaceuticals company? What, what experience do you have that other people are less likely to have? And how does that apply to the things you want to talk about? What insights can you provide? Also, avoid topics everyone wants to talk about. Right now, responsive web design and content strategy are hot. We've talked about this already. Super hot. Everybody wants to have that track at their conference because I'm, I'm surprised these talks haven't been worn out. You'd think everybody would know all they need to know about content strategy and responsive web design by now. But no, those talks are still packed at every conference I go to. But everybody's also submitting talks on them. I submitted a bunch of talks uh, around uh, the call for submissions at CSS DevConf. And I submitted on different topics. I had a responsive web design topic. I had uh, the CSS animations topic. But the, uh, the truth is, if I have to go up against someone who's better known or has a, a bit more sway in a field like responsive web design, I'm not going to make it. Nobody's going to have Rachel Nobody talk about responsive web design when we've got these big names from the industry like, I don't know. Let's say Chris submitted the same topic. Chris is going to get it. Not me. I am not. I am an unknown quantity. Like CSS tricks with Rachel Neighbors is less convincing than CSS tricks with Chris Coyer. Exactly. Just to put it in a real case scenario. But, if Chris but. and I both submitted talk ideas about responsive web design for the future of content and uh, it, the talks were very similar, 
the organizers are definitely going to choose Chris over me. He's got more experience, but a proven delivery approach. And you can't have two talks about the same topic. That's silly. However, I made the very smart choice to submit a crazy talk about something nobody else anywhere, anywhere else was talking about. That was CSS animation. So that's another winning strategy, aside from taking your weird perspective and applying it to something that people are talking about. For instance, comics and UX you can also go at it from a completely different approach, which is I'm going to talk about something no one else is talking about, which is a little riskier because you have to hope people want to know about that. I had to I had to hope that people would be interested in animating a music video with CSS and JavaScript, which they were. So I hope that's useful yeah. information for you. Okay. Yeah, I think I think you summed it up. I I like the idea. I'm going to throw something at you, Shane or Sean. Sorry, Sean. Um, so I, the way I look at it, and Aaron Draplin Draplin convinced me of this recently. Um, think of it as like uh, starting out a rock band. Like people don't just ask you to play Madison Square Garden the day you decide I'm doing. I'm playing music now. You have to like play the local circuit and then you have to like play the tri-state area and then you have to play like <laughs> you know you you have to like i i just i totally agree with rachel's sentiment about start local do local meetups do a hundred of those and then start going to other um other things i mean if you're if you're like a Drupal guy, go to Drupal camps. They have tons of talks. You can do all that stuff. If you go to, if you're a WordPress person, like Rachel used to be, <laughs> um, you can do, yeah, WordPress specific meetups and camps and conferences. I mean, there's a WordPress thing like three times a month across this country, like a big WordPress meetup. So, I, I mean, I think there's plenty of opportunities. I, I think you just got to, you know, start doing locally and building a name for yourself on the local scene, if you will. So that would, that's what I would say, Chris. Yeah. I, I have, I have a link open from Derek Bailey that posted just last month on this. And well, here's the first paragraph of the blog post in the last three or so years, I've had every conference submission I've entered rejected. Now that doesn't mean that I haven't spoken at any conferences. I've been invited to a handful and had fun at them, but for every conference that I've submitted a session to, I have not been selected. It's not fun being rejected six plus times in a row. The worst part, though, is not getting any valid feedback on why I ranted about this on Twitter and got some interesting feedback. I will put this in the show notes. Uh, and you can read it. And, and what he did was he took his conference submissions and he put it as a gist on GitHub and just put it out there and said, why is this getting rejected so badly? Like, mm. can you help me rewrite this? What is the problem with, like, my pitch here? Uh, and he got lots of good feedback in this blog post. Is a, It is like a big thing of all the changes and stuff he made to his submission. So it's pretty relevant, I think, to this. I actually want to go read that now. Yeah, this is cool. I mean, he's putting himself under the the fire here just to like say like hey, bust me. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. That's that's good too. We send us abstracts, Sean, and we'll uh, and we'll uh we'll we'll just tear you apart. How does that sound? That's really something uh, to admire in people. I I love seeing people putting themselves uh out there like that. It it's it just takes such guts, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's the best best way to improve your craft. Yep. 
I agree. This is funny. It's actually pretty funny. He invented Marionette JS, and they rejected him in favor of some other dude who wanted to do a talk on Marionette JS. (laughs) And then that talk turned to suck. Oh, my God. That's that's brutal. That's the saddest thing. I know. I know. Can we send him, like, a small cake or something? Oh, he seems like a reasonable. This is working out well for him. He says he speaks at other stuff because he gets asked to, so... That's really interesting. Uh, so yep. it sounds like it's Derek. just with the pitch. Yep, yep. It's all yeah. about the pitch, I guess. I guess you I mean, call people it have a... some other some other interesting things too. They're like the first comment is like, "Get to know the conference organizer." Hey, that's not bad, right? You could stalk them kind of on Twitter, you know, follow, find out who runs it, and then like be super helpful to them on Twitter <laughs> if they have a problem, you know. Then they'll that's remember a, you. Can't hurt. Can't hurt there. So. Is you guys looking at facebook.com slash home? Well, yeah, I was going to say that's kind of the uh, the final cap for this hot drama thing. Facebook is looks like they have an Android device or like Android OS kind of. It's like all, an OS. Yeah. All Facebook-y. And it's probably the best Android OS there is to date, uh, it, we'll it see. appears. What kills me about Android is you still can't like just swipe down the page like super, super smoothly. I have a brand new nexus 7 with the brandest newest android on it and it's still just ah, you still can't just like do a real nice swipe yeah this is interesting though i mean this is 99 dollars. you get facebook on a phone and it does everything you want to do on facebook htc first i'll probably get it 99 dollars huh and how much of that are you repaying every phone bill that's what I, i wonder what the uh contract oh. stuff is and also yeah. can you like pay facebook 25 dollars so that you can keep all your uh, marketing statistics to yourself <laughs> paid paid privacy yeah i mean i i read somewhere that uh every every user's account the information gleaned from that user is worth 25 dollars to facebook um i'd gladly pay 50 so that begs the question of if maybe they should have a private browsing version and kind of like the Kindle, a a Facebook with ads version. And you can pay the 25 bucks to, you know, live like a hermit or you can not and get all these cool offers. And to be honest, I've, I've actually found some really cool things because of the advertising Facebook's been targeting me with. Some of it's creepy, uh, but some of it's really cool, like some Skillshare courses for designers that I wouldn't have known about if it hadn't been for the ads on Facebook. Yeah. Hmm. I This is interesting. I'm, you know, I'm curious where they're going to go with it. They're now competing directly with Apple and such. So, dun, dun. <laughs> well, cool. On that bombshell, um, Rachel, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having uh, me. For people who aren't following you and consuming all your comics and games, how do they how do they do that? You can follow me on Twitter at crowchick. That's like two birds, a crow, and a baby chick. Or you can visit my website, rachelneighbors.com. Uh, that's neighbors, N-A-B-O-R-S, like Jim Neighbors. And you can read my comics at rachelthegreat.com. I have some really cool stuff down the pipeline, so stay tuned. 
Perfect. 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 All right. And uh, listeners, thanks for coming out in the chat room. You guys are uh, always the source of facts on this show. We really appreciate that. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show. Uh, buy a t-shirt in the store, shoptalkshow.com slash store. And uh, good news on that. We're beefing that up. Enjoy time jumping around the internet. Uh, and Chris, do you got anything else for us? Shoptalkshow.com. Mm, Oh, yeah, I got to hit the stop record button. Oh, where is that little guy?